Welcome to the Con Pod, a Star Trek convention podcast, a proud member of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Here is your host, Ron Robel. Hello, and welcome to the Con Pod, a Star Trek convention podcast. I'd like to start our show by thanking the amazing guys over at Five Year Mission for the intro music that you just heard. They put on a great show at Mission Chicago, and now you can own a piece of the action by getting a copy of their live album, which is currently only available to their Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash fiveyearmission. This episode is being recorded on Thursday, April 28th, 2022. As of this recording, we are 119 days away from the 56-year mission convention in Las Vegas this coming August 25th to the 28th. This year, the convention will be hosted in a new location at Bally's Hotel and Casino right off the, on the Las Vegas Strip. Today, we'll be joined by the host of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, Jeff Walker, to take a look at some of the must-see sites and attractions on the Vegas Strip. But before we get started, let's jump into a quick breakdown of the 56-year mission by looking at current ticket statuses and guest announcements. Tickets are currently available in four different tiers. Our lowest price tier is the general admission tickets. Uh, tickets are $269, and these are the basic tickets that get you into the convention, the secondary theater, the vendor's room, all panels, and most events. These are general seating tickets, so you don't have a reserve seat, but are always guaranteed a seat in the main theater. Pre-registration does come with all ticket tiers, so you can register the night before and get into the convention very easily the next day. Typically, we'll see Groupon tickets come available that cover the general admission level, uh, but those typically don't get released until a few days or weeks before the convention. No word yet on if those will be available. Copper tickets are the next tier, which are still available at a cost of $359. According to the map, there's about 380 seats in the copper level um, total, and currently 27 seats available, so they're 93% sold out. So if you're interested in this level, grab one quickly. These are reserved seats, so you have a guaranteed seat and a guaranteed location for all of the panels. Uh, they're typically to the front of the theater, but to the sides of the stage. This ticket tier also includes admission to the Saturday Night Gala. Right now, there's not a lot of information about the gala, um, but tickets on their own would cost about $65 typically. Uh, you'll also receive a gold collector's coin, and that covers your copper tickets. Captain's share tickets are still available as well at a cost of $539. Uh, currently, there are 408 seats shown on the map at this tier level, and currently only 65 available, so they're 84% sold out. These seats are in the center, but are behind the gold seats, so typically start about row 13, uh, but do give you some great views and a guaranteed seat in all of the panels. At this level, you also receive a Creation Trek Treat card, this card gives you exclusive discounts and freebies in the vendor's room, including typically a few free autographs. Uh, these are pre-signed 8x10 photos with some Star Trek folks, as well as some other conventions that Creation does, such as Supernatural or Riverdale. Uh, the last ticket tier is the gold tier. Um, these tickets are officially sold out right now. They sold at a cost of $1,099. Uh, the only reason we'll talk about these now is typically as the convention gets closer, Creation will release some of these available for auction. So it's good to know what some of the perks are that you'll get with these. Uh, these cover the best seats in the house, front and center, uh, row one. So fantastic views of everything happening on that main stage. You also receive uh, some free gold autographs. 
Uh, this year, they include Kate Mulgrew, Jerry Ryan, John Noble, Armin Shimmerman, Terry Farrell, Ethan Phillips, Dina Meyer, Blue Del Barrio, Ian Alexander, and more to come. You'll also have access to the gold-exclusive Thursday Night Dinner Party, which this year will feature Tig Notaro's comedy show, which should be a lot of fun. If you've never seen her stand-up, she's absolutely hilarious. It'll be a lot of fun to see that. Uh, you'll also have the ability to keep your seat. So at the end of the convention, you have the option to renew your seat or get a better seat for the 2023 convention. Um, so that's something that right now is exclusive only to gold. When we look at celebrity guests, right now there is a whopping 86 guests announced. Creation always tries to hit 100, so I'm sure we'll see some more announcements coming in the next few weeks. A lot of headliners from folks that we've seen before. Uh, the original series is well represented with William Shatner, George Takei, Walter Koenig, uh, Kate Mulgrew, Zachary Quinto will be there. We haven't seen him in quite a few years, uh, so that should be a fun one. Jerry Ryan, Sneaker Martin-Green, Doug Jones, uh, Tig Notaro, and I believe this is her first Star Trek convention. Ron Perlman, John Noble, Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, another one having her first convention appearance. Uh, so definitely head on over to the website, see some of the guests. Uh, we'll have an upcoming episode talking about the different ticket tiers. But for now, let's hop into our main topic. This year, the convention will be hosted in a new location at Bally's Hotel and Casino right on the Las Vegas Strip. Today, we'll be joined by the host of the Jeff Does Vegas podcast, Jeff Walker. His show takes listeners to the world-famous Las Vegas Strip and beyond and features conversations with Las Vegas entertainers and experts, as well as trip reports with reviews of hotels, casinos, restaurants, shows, attractions, and more. Welcome to the show, Jeff Walker. Thank you for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, we are really excited to have the, the convention on the Strip this year. It's been held at the Rio All Suites for the last few years. Um, and I understand you're from Canada. I'm from Maine myself, and I know I'll take any excuse I can to escape the cold. Um, so what got you interested in Vegas? What, 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 tell us about your first trip and what got you hooked. Um, my very first ever Las Vegas trip was, I think, 2003. My wife and I did a, a vacation, and it was our first big vacation as a married couple at that time. Uh, we made pretty much all the classic Vegas mistakes. We stayed at Circus Circus, which was mistake number one. Um, we uh, did the whole thing where we, you know, we paid full price for stuff and we booked stuff way in advance and paid way too much money. And the, the one mistake we didn't make was getting suckered into a timeshare presentation. So we did manage to avoid that. <laughs> um, but we, we, in spite of all of the craziness and the little mistakes that we made, we really, really enjoyed the trip and uh, thought, you know what, this is a place that we could make our way back to. Flash forward a couple of years later, my wife had a convention in Vegas, so I was able to join her for that. And then it just kind of progressed to an addiction. Uh, I like that, best started, way to describe it. <laughs> yeah, started 2015 was kind of the first year that I took multiple trips to Vegas. And I was lucky enough to make some friends in the entertainment industry down there. And so, it wasn't just a me going down. It wasn't just a gamble. It wasn't just to eat or go on vacation. I was starting to go down to see friends. And then I was lucky enough to land a job working for an airline, which allowed me to travel at a reduced rate standby. And I could start getting on Vegas trips basically anytime that there was space on a flight. I'd look and go, huh, you know what? There's space. I'm going to go. 
And so the next thing you knew, it was uh, five times a year, six times a year. I think my most Vegasy year ever was 2019, and I managed nine trips. Oh, so jealous. (laughs) And that that was really only because I had done eight the year before, and my wife said, I bet you can't do nine. And I said, challenge accepted. <laughs> and, and I managed to sneak in a, a, a sneaky little ninth trip in 2019. So that's that's kind of how it is. It, it's just, it's a city that I really love. Um, it's got such an interesting vibe. It's always changing. There's always something new to see. Um, and, and having not being able to go for the last couple of years with COVID being what it was and travel restrictions to cross into the U.S. and coming back into Canada, being able to make a trip after two years back in December of 2021 was really insane. I mean, to be able to go down and see how much had changed and what was different um, w- was really incredible. But as I say, it's a city that I just, I've, I've really kind of fallen in love with. I, I look at it as my second home. Um, and it's just a place that I really enjoy being. I love that. I've always said Vegas is very much a playground for adults. It's really, I think it's got this perception of being a gambler's paradise and sin city, but it's more than that. You can do absolutely whatever you want. If you want to bring, you've done a podcast on bringing kids to Vegas, you know, there's a Vegas there for you. If you want to go and gamble and live the high, you can do that. You can do anything you want in that city, which is always just so fascinating. Um, but our group this year is a little bit different. So this is a group that I don't know the exact number of years, but for the last, I want to say 10 plus years, uh, this convention has been held in August, which is always the best time of year to visit Vegas um, at the Rio All Suites, which is right off the strip. Um, This year, they're doing a large renovation over at the Rio. So they're moving it to Bally's um, on the strip. So, you know, this group is one that they'll get there. They hunker down and very rarely will leave the hotel um, because there's not a lot to see outside the Rio in that strip of town. Um, so you're familiar with the city. What are some of the biggest differences that our attendees should be planning for for a convention that's now right in the heart of the strip? Well, you said it. I mean, you are right literally dead center, middle of the strip at Bally's. It is... Bally's is always my go-to, in all honesty. I would usually bounce between Bally's and the Flamingo. Those were the two hotels that I would pick. And you are dead center smack in the middle of the action. I mean, as you said, you're at a place like the Rio. As great of a property as it is for what it is, I know it's generally really economical. The suites and the rooms are huge. I've stayed there a couple of times and had okay experiences staying there. But the biggest drawback that I've always found with a place like the Rio is its location. You are off the strip. As you say, there's really nothing around there. Um, I know a lot of people that make the mistake of trying to walk from the Rio over to Las Vegas Boulevard. (laughs) In August, that is a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea any time of the year. It's a lot further than it looks. But in August, when it's 115 degrees outside, you you look and you see it and you go i could totally walk to caesar's palace it's right there 25 minutes later you're just a puddle of human goo on the <laughs> sidewalk because you've, you've melted in those temps so uh, the biggest thing that people are going to get out of this is the fact that they are dead center smack in the middle of the action i mean bally's I don't think you're going to find a location better than Bally's, quite honestly. You are right in the middle of all those big, iconic properties. You're close to literally everything. It's the thing that I love about staying on the Strip versus staying off the Strip. And I have done both. I love that ability to be able to, if I've got an hour of spare time in the middle of the day, 
I can walk out the front door of my hotel, turn left or right, and be right in the middle of everything. There's restaurants, there's shopping, there's attractions, there's there's gambling, multiple casinos. There's just literally everything. So I think that's going to be the biggest difference that people are going to notice staying at a place like Bally's versus staying somewhere like the Rio. Absolutely. And it's, you know, like you said, you're right there. You're right. The Bellagio Fountain's right in front of you when you leave the property. Um, and it's going to be fun. As for the heat, I know I have some friends, the event takes place at the Rio. They stayed at the Palms and walked from the Palms to the Rio, which again, Vegas, right across the street. But add to that, it's a Star Trek convention. So you're in cosplay with these big, dark, heavy costumes. Um, you get to the Rio and you're ready to collapse in the lobby. So it's definitely, it's not really a walking city, uh, typically. But if you're on this trip, there's so much you can get to. Um, which kind of leads me to my next question. I know Bally's is pretty well connected to a lot of the other properties. Um, it's literally right there with the Paris, the Flamingo, the Link. Um, it's across the street from Caesar's Palace and the Bellagio. Is it practical to consider staying at one of those other properties? You know, is, are there indoor ways to get back and forth if you're in a costume? Um, what's the best way to, to save a buck and find the cheapest hotel in the area? If you are looking, I mean, in all honesty, yeah, you can stay at any of those properties. And it isn't a super long walk from Flamingo or Cromwell or Link. Um, and there are ways to do it indoors. You kind of have to be sort of tricky about it. And it, it may feel like it's taking you a little bit longer to do it indoors, particularly Bally's to Paris. You you are, those two properties are attached. They, they are attached physically through the casino. You go through this sneaky little pathway area that's got some restaurants and shops in it, and you pop out in the Paris casino. So, I mean, if people are looking for a, a, a great way, a great spot to stay um, that is connected to Bally's, yeah, Paris is an awesome spot to stay. If you're staying at any of those other properties, you are going to be having to go outdoors. And as you say, I mean, for, for someone like me, I, I wouldn't have even thought of the whole Star Trek costume and cosplay situation where, as you say, you're wearing there's there's not a lot of guys running around the Star Trek universe in shorts and T-shirts, if I'm yeah. <laughs> recalling correctly from my limited knowledge of Star Trek. Um, so I can see how that would be an issue, but you are able to get around pretty well and be outside for shorter periods of time. Um, if you're at Caesar's Palace, there's walkways to get across the strip over to the Flamingo side, and then it's just a short little walk. You can cut through the Cromwell, come out on the other side, go up and over the bridge, and then basically be right in front of Bally's. Same deal with the Bellagio. If you're staying at Bellagio or any of the properties that are kind of near to there, um, same deal. It's just across a pedway, across the bridge, across the strip and over to to Bally's. Um, there's lots of interesting ways to get around in Las Vegas. And I know the monorail is one way that a lot of people will use to get around. Yeah. There's lots of great properties connected to the monorail. I think the biggest complaint that some people have about the monorail is that you have to walk relatively long distances through the casinos to get to the monorail stations. They're all located at the very back of the properties. And so you do have to sometimes walk a little bit of a distance through the properties to get there. But in a situation like this, where you're dressed up in whatever Star Trek cosplay that you happen to be wearing or whatever uniform or whatever creature you're dressed as, um, this might be the best way to do it. You're gonna be spending a little bit of time 
outdoors in the station at the monorail, but once you're in the monorail, they're all air conditioned. So that's a little bit of an opportunity to at least cool down. So that that's one way to get around. Um, there's lots of free trams as well that have interesting ways. So if you're staying down at the far south end of the strip, say you're at Mandalay Bay, Luxor, Excalibur, any of those properties, there is a tram that runs between those three properties. And then there's also a tram that runs between Park MGM and the and, and Bellagio. So that runs as well. Again, you're outside waiting, but then you're inside in an air-conditioned tram that goes back and forth. And that tram between Bellagio and Park MGM is actually free. The monorail is not. There is a fee associated with the monorail. If you're gonna be there for several days, look into buying one of the longer-term passes for the monorail. And then that way you're gonna be able to save yourself a few bucks on, on getting around. That's great. And is the monorail, is it, is it fast? If I'm looking to grab dinner at um, MGM Grand or Westgate, which are on the far opposite ends of the strip, am I looking at it taking 45 minutes or am I there and back relatively quickly? You're going to be there and back relatively quickly. I'm trying to think now how long it takes to get from MGM Grand all the way up to the Westgate end. You're probably looking at maybe 20 minutes max. Okay. Um and it does go relatively quickly and the trains come relatively frequently. I think they're every five to eight minutes that the trains come. So they go back and forth relatively often. Um, and again, that monorail does run all the way from, as you mentioned, from the MGM Grand all the way on the south end, all the way to the Sahara up at the north end. That's your, your far end station. So it is a great way to get around. I know a lot of people are not a big fan of it because it, it, is relatively limited in its scope. I know a lot of people would have loved to have seen that monorail go all the way as far as Mandalay Bay in the south and then even run further north yeah. up to downtown. But uh, the, the distance that it does run is pretty reasonable and does allow you to cover a pretty decent amount of distance in a relatively good short amount of time. I, for a convention that I attended one year uh, that was being held at the, the big convention center up at the north end, I was staying at Luxor which was probably the dumbest mistake I could have made and in, in a place to pick to be there. It was not the most convenient spot, but having that monorail was a good option for me. I was able to rip back and forth relatively quickly as needed. Yeah. And I've, I know I've stayed at the Mandalay Bay and loved that monorail between the Luxor and uh, is it New York, New York, I think, or the Excalibur. Um, the and Excalibur, then you walk yeah. over to New York, New York. So it's, you know, very convenient and easy. If you're staying at the Luxor, where is the closest hop on? Because it's closest, on the other side of the street. Yeah, closest hop on for the monorail would be MGM Grand. So you're looking awesome. at about a 15 minute walk, maybe. Yeah, probably about a 15 minute walk if you're really booting it from the uh, from the Luxor over to MGM Grand. And then, of course, you've got to make your way through and down and down into the right. bowels of the MGM Grand to the back and, and make your way up to the station. But that's your closest hop on point for uh, if you're staying at somewhere at the south end of the strip like that. That's awesome. It seems Vegas is such an interesting city. Everything is so condensed, but still so far apart. You know, you're still looking at a 20 minute walk to get there. And if you're dressed like a Klingon, you're going to get some fun looks. So go for it. <laughs> yeah, You never know. You might be able to make a few extra bucks if people want to take right? pictures with you or something like that. I mean, hey, go for it. Why not? It's Vegas. Let's do it. <laughs> so looking at um, food, obviously, is very near and dear to my heart. I think most of our Star Trek fans do the same thing. They get there and where's the best steak? Um, I was reading that there are over 4,000 restaurants in Las Vegas, and the city has more restaurants per capita than any other city in the country. Um, 
so it's got a reputation for amazing food. What are some of the best places, particularly by valleys, that people just cannot afford to miss? You know, that's such a tough question. Food is one of those sort of subjective questions because there's there's no right answer to this question. Um, as you say, I mean, there's 4,000 different restaurants catering to every single uh, cuisine, every single price point. If you want burgers, there's 20 places to get burgers. If you want a cheap burger, there's great places to get cheap burgers. If you want expensive burgers, there's great places to get expensive burgers. I, I mean, for me, I'm I'm much like yourself. I mean, food is always one of my favorite parts of going to Vegas, and I love hitting all kinds of different restaurants and going to different places. If you're on a budget, which I know I like to be when I go to Vegas for certain meals, um, one of my favorite spots is the, uh, the Village Cafe and Pub in uh, Ellis Island. It's about a block off the strip. It's just behind Bally's. It's maybe about a 10 minute walk at most. And this is a place where you can go in and get like an $8.99 steak and eggs breakfast. Mm. I go in there and I get, they do a awesome vanilla French toast that I just love. You get that vanilla French toast, side of bacon and a coffee, and you're out of there for 15 bucks, which is unheard of anywhere on the strip. Um, as far as places along the strip, I mean, if somebody's looking for a great place for a burger that's fast, um, there's a Wahlburgers right at Bally's, which of course is the burger joint uh, that's run by uh, the Wahlberg family, uh, Donnie mm -hmm. Wahlberg, Mike, Mark Wahlberg, that whole family. Um, so there is one of those there. Um, if you go a little bit further up by the link and the link promenade, if you're into in and out, and I know a lot of people that come from all over the US and all over Canada who are just all about the in and out, there is an in and out burger on the uh, the link promenade between the link and the flamingo. So that's so a great spot. It, it It is. It's, it's one yeah. of those things that I know there's a lot of people that will, when I comment about going to somewhere like in and out burger or going to Shake Shack, um, which is another great spot for, for burgers and fries and shakes at New York, New York, there's a lot of people that say, wow, why do you go to a place like that? It's a chain. I'm from Canada. We don't have In-N-Out Burger up here. We don't have Shake Shack up here. Likewise. I'm not going to go to a McDonald's in Las Vegas because I do have. <laughs> I've got those everywhere here. Um, so, I mean, there's places like that. If you're looking for something a little more high-end, man alive. You walk across the street to Caesars Palace and you go through the Caesars Forum shops. There are so many amazing restaurants in that spot um, that, again, hit basically every price point. Um there's a few great steak places as well. If you're interested in, if somebody wants a really fantastic high-end steak dinner and you want to treat yourself to a really high-end steak dinner, um, if you go a little bit off the strip to a place called Golden Steer, this place is like old school Vegas. It's been around for 50 years. It's the oldest steakhouse in the joint. They've only, or in the city, I should say. They've only had two owners. A lot of staff have been there for 15, 20 years. It used to be a legitimate old school mob hangout. I mean, it's it's a awesome. very cool place. Not a cheap meal, but 100% worth it. Um, Oscars on uh, downtown at the Plaza Hotel is also another great steakhouse if you're wanting to go for a, a super high-end kind of old school Vegas uh, steak dinner. I mean, again, food is such a tough one because there's, as you say, 4,000 restaurants and they, oh, yes. hit, <laughs> and they hit everything and, and it's it's impossible to to try and and come up and name them all I mean I, I going over some of my trip reports and and uh, past episodes 
between my wife and I, we've probably been to 50 different restaurants in Las Vegas. And we try to pick different places every time we go to. We stick with some of our same old stalwarts, but at the same time, we'll try and find a couple of new places to go on every trip. And it's it's so hard. My biggest recommendation is if people have something that they are particularly after, whether it's burgers, steaks, sushis, pasta, um, whatever, do some research ahead of time, see what's around and and pick a couple of places or pick a place because you're never going to get to them all. <laughs> right. And I'll say one of the things, a lot of these places being off strip, Ellis Island in particular, I have not been, but through your podcast, I've heard amazing things about. Um, if you're going with a group of people, share a lift, you know, very, a lot of the, these Trek folks are traveling by themselves or in small groups, get a bigger group together, share the cost of a lift or an Uber and get there a lot cheaper. Um, on food, I know Vegas is very well known for its buffets. I know a lot of those went away uh, with the pandemic. Um, I was there in November and did the Bachno buffet for the first time, which was incredible. Um, any recommendations on buffets besides the Bachno buffet, which is at Caesar's Palace and right across the street from Bally's? It's costly, but oh my goodness, so much food. Yeah, I mean, I personally, I'm not a massive buffet guy. Um, my wife and I actually, the only buffet we've done in Vegas is the Bacchanal buffet. We did it a couple of years ago. And you're right. I mean, just incredible. For me, I find buffets are just, it's overwhelming. It's, it's yeah. too much food. It's too much food stimulation. I walk into a place like that and I'm like, oh my God, I need to try it all. But if I try it all, they're going to be rolling me out of here in a wheelbarrow at the end of the night. Um, Bacchanal Buffet, as you mentioned, pricey. I think it's up around 80 bucks a person now, if I'm not mistaken. And reservations definitely are a thing. Uh, Wicked Spoon Buffet at the Cosmopolitan is another one that a lot of people mention and a lot of people are big fans of. So that's another one that, that I would check out. Buffets, I think COVID-19 freaked a lot of people out with buffets and being crammed in with, with so many people and such. So that was a thing. And then I think as well, the, the whole pandemic gave a lot of casino owners an opportunity to kind of look and see uh, what their, their loss leaders were and where they were losing money. And buffets, oddly enough, have always traditionally been a loss leader for a lot of these casino companies. They, they don't make a lot of money off of buffets. And so I think this is one of the spots where some of the big casino companies have cut back. And as you say, very few of the buffets have come back. They're slowly starting to roll mm -hmm. back in a little bit, but it's gonna take a little bit of time. Um, the only two buffets, again, that I'm even really aware of uh, and have been aware of that are on the strip are Bacchanal Buffet and um, uh, Wicked Spoon at the Cosmopolitan. I know, again, some of them have started to come back and I've seen people on various Vegas Facebook groups starting to comment and saying that they've been to this hotel or this restaurant or this this resort and have gone to the buffets. Um, but again, for me, I'm not a big buffet guy. I'd rather go out and spend, if I'm going to spend $80 on a meal, I'd rather go to a higher-end steakhouse and, and yeah. have a a really nice sit down meal, but I get the allure of, of the buffet. My only tip when it comes to buffets is remember all you can eat is not a challenge. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not a sport. It's, it doesn't have to be competitive eating. I mean, I, I remember going to Bacchanal buffet and looking and there was somebody sitting behind us that had a, a, a tray of the crab's legs that I swear it was that high. And I just thought like, that is an awful lot of work for very little meat. You know, it just, it, it's a maximum effort for minimal reward in my opinion. 
like I said, we were there in November for three days and had the goal of doing one buffet a day. Wicked Spoon was on the list, and I forget what the last one was. We did Bachnell our first night, and we're just so sick. And it was delicious food, but just so stomachs extended by the end of it. No more buffets for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> you know, it's a one and done kind of deal. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So you had mentioned too the Caesars Forums having restaurants over there. Um, we should probably just talk briefly about what Caesar for Caesars Forums is. Um, again, because it is right across the street from Bally's. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Caesars has the forum shops, which is, I mean, if you're if you're planning on doing any shopping, any higher end shopping, anything like that, it's it's quite a shopping experience. You can go through Caesars and and cut through the casino and end up in the forum shops. Um, lots of great stores, lots of great shops in there. Basically, anything you could ever need to buy through there. Um, actually, there's lots of great memorabilia stores in there as well that sell various autographed movie posters and and uh, props and things like that. So there, you never know that a few uh, conventioneers may come across some some great Star Trek stuff that that you never know might be in there. It's definitely worth going through and taking a look. Lots of great restaurants through the forum shops as well. And I mean, again, there is it's you're going to see so much that that again that is such i think the biggest exam uh biggest advantage i should say of being at somewhere like bally's where your mid strip is as i say you're going to be able to walk out you hang a right out bally's you're going to be able to hit cromwell flamingo mm -hmm. link um over to the venetian through all the shops at the venetian cut up to win i mean there's there's all of that spot up there and then you're going to be able to work your way back down the strip through fashion show mall and and treasure island and the mirage and and caesar's palace and and you know again just work your way through you walk out as out of valleys and you hang a left you're in paris you're at planet hollywood you've got all these other great resorts and properties and amenities the other direction it's such a great spot to be really you, you just you can't beat it for that reason alone just the location alone Absolutely. So we've talked about food. We've talked about shopping. Um, last thing we have to talk about with Vegas are the shows and attractions. You know, there's so much to do. Uh, the convention will keep people pretty busy. Uh, some of the events going into 10 o'clock at night. Um, but some of the days end a little bit earlier and some folks get there a day early or stay a couple of days longer. Um, so for those who find themselves with a few extra hours, what are a few top C's, particularly in that on the strip area? I mean, again, it's it it really is is so subjective on what you want to do or what you want to see. I mean, you could go across to the Mirage and take a wander through Siegfried and Roy's Secret Garden and and check out some amazing wildlife. They've got several of the white tigers that were involved in their various magic acts, as well as dolphins and lions and and other animals over there. Uh, if you're into the wax museum thing, of course, there's a Madame Tussauds wax museum at the Venetian. If you happen to be a Marvel fan, there's uh, Avengers Station at Treasure Island, which is something that's kind of cool to check out with a lot of great props from the movies and, and uh, kind of a whole adventure thing involved there. Um, you can go further south down to the Strip. You can go to New York, New York. You can ride the roller coaster if you want. Uh, jump across to uh, down to um, Mandalay Bay. Check out the Shark Reef. I mean, again, it's just it's so hard to, to nail it all down when it comes to attractions and things like that. As far as shows, I mean, again, literally everything you could ever want to see. Um, musical acts, magic acts, um, you want to see topless people, there's topless shows. There's several of those as well. I mean, it, it really is 
um, an, um, it is the entertainment capital of the world and, and you can't beat the shows that are there. This is the thing that, that has always blown my wife and I away about going to Las Vegas is the caliber of entertainment that you see in a place like Las Vegas. And I mean, it's, it's, I'm not talking about the big strip headliner shows, the Celine Dion's, the Bruno Mars, the Adele, well, maybe not Adele, um, <laughs> but all of, all of those shows, as great as those are, there's so many sort of mid tier strip shows as well that, that are, that are great to see that, that you can get some amazing ticket deals on and you're going to see some really incredible talent there as well. And then, I mean, if you want to go really crazy, there's of course the Cirque du Soleil shows, which if anybody has never seen a Cirque du Soleil show, um, you gotta see a Cirque du Soleil show when you're in Las Vegas. It's just one of those things that you kind of have to do and you've got lots to choose from. I mean, there's a Michael Jackson circuit at Mandalay Bay. Um, there's the Beatles Love at Mirage. There's O at the Bellagio. There's Mystere at Treasure Island. There's Ka at the MGM. There's there's lots of options of, of basically, as I say, everything and anything you could ever possibly want to see. There's comedians. There's, I mean, again, entertainment capital, the caliber of entertainment, mm -hmm. the caliber of performance that you're going to get in a city like Las Vegas really is not rivaled anywhere else in the world, in my opinion. So we, I feel like we've just barely scratched the surface of what Vegas has to offer. Um, and a lot, I'm assuming a lot of people, if you're listening to a podcast where you're planning for the next Star Trek convention, you're probably a type A planner like myself. Um, so for those of us that want more information and to learn as much as we can about the city, um, I will say your podcast has been such an incredible resource. Um, I will spend months planning my next trip and have found so many new things to see and do. Um, so tell us a bit about your podcast. How can somebody find it, find it? And what do you have coming up that's exciting? Um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's super easy. It's just jeffdoesvegas.com is the website. Um, you can go there. All of the episodes are available there. You can get them wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Amazon, any of the places that you would normally find podcasts, you can find it. Um, real, really, I mean, you can just dig deep and go in. I recommend taking a listen to the trip report episodes. Those are probably the best resource for, um, finding restaurants or shows or attractions. I mean, I, when I come back from a trip to Las Vegas, I take notes as I'm on the trip. My wife hates going on these trips <laughs> with me because really I spend so much time. I'm taking photos. I'm taking notes on my phone. It drives her up the absolute wall, but. <laughs> I digress. It's that's her problem, not me. Um, so really, those are the best resources that I would recommend. I've also just recently put up a, an episode called Vegas FAQ. So that is a, a great resource as well. And I made those notes from that episode downloadable. So there is a link from that episode to be able to download the notes. And I cover everything on that episode from, you know, where to stay, where to eat, uh, what to do, um, how to get around things to avoid, things to watch out for, some of the the dangerous things to watch out for in Las Vegas, different scams and things like that to to keep an eye out for. Um, I go even go deep into what is and what isn't illegal in Las Vegas because everybody seems to have this crazy notion that it's the wild, wild west and just it's all legal. <laughs> legal. It, it isn't, trust me. Um, well, I say trust me like I've been busted doing those things, but I haven't. Um, but so that's a great resource as well. I mean, 
all in all, there's, there's lots of great resources out there and there's lots of great different blogs and podcasts. Um, but of course I, I'll always recommend my own shameless self-promotion. <laughs> so, <laughs> I will second that 100%. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's lots of great stuff in there as far as even some of the entertainers that I've interviewed and spoken with and, and may give some people some great ideas for shows and, and things to go check out while they're there. As far as what I have coming up, I mean, it's, it's ever evolving. I've constantly got a lot of new stuff on the way. Um, coming up, I've got an episode discussing the upcoming F1 race in Las Vegas, which is, oh, cool. is going to be uh, an absolute nut show. In my opinion, I'm an F1 fan. I'm a Vegas fan. But that's an event that I will gladly watch from the comfort of my living room because I think it's going to be insanity. Um, I've got episodes <laughs> booked talking about creating a, how to create a new table game. If there's any inventors out there that have it oh, in their cool. minds that maybe they've got the next, I don't know, blackjack or something, um, planning an episode on that. And I've even got an episode coming up talking about strip club etiquette because I feel Love that's it. important. <laughs> So very important that, for Trekkies too. If you're listening very, to this, <laughs> yes, very, very important. There's some very key etiquette points that I'll be covering in that particular episode. So yeah, so lots of stuff on the way. It's just, it's, it's a, a lot of fun to put together. I have a lot of fun doing it and uh, brainstorming new episodes. And of course, if anybody has uh, questions or, or ideas for episodes, or they want to reach out to me, they're absolutely welcome to do so. I'm on all the social medias, uh, at Jeff does Vegas. Uh, and of course people can email me directly as well. It's just Jeff at Jeff does Perfect. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Um, hopefully one day we will see you at a Star Trek convention in Las Vegas. Um, but until then, thank you very much. Hey, you're very welcome. I really appreciate this. And thank you for tuning into the ConPod, a Star Trek convention podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at TrekConPod, or you can join our Facebook group, the Star Trek Convention Experiences Facebook group, where it's all Star Trek all the time. Until our next episode, thank you so much.